Hello and welcome to episode two of the Mind Body Power podcast. I'm Sean Blair and in this episode I'll be speaking to Liz Butler, founder of Body Soul Nutrition. Liz is a qualified nutritional therapist with over 17 years of experience in her field and through her practice she helps people who are living with cancer through the recovery process by utilising changes in nutrition and lifestyle to complement their more traditional treatments. In this episode, Liz and I will discuss how making changes to diet and lifestyle can improve people's chances of recovering from cancer and living long and healthy lives. Hope you enjoy it. Hi Liz, thanks for coming on. Uh, just to start with, uh, would you be able to give us just a bit on your background? Yeah, sure. Um, thanks for having me, it's a pleasure. Um, so I've been a nutritional therapist for uh, around about 17 years. Yeah. And um, after I finished my training, I started working with people with cancer straight away. Okay. And was that in um, a hospital? or? No, it was. I was working for a supplement company at the time. Yeah. And um, I was asked by a cancer support group to come and do a talk for them. And I really enjoyed working with this group. And that started my, or it initiated my fascination with cancer. Um, it's a really, really interesting area to work in. Yeah. And they were such a lovely, motivated group of people that I thought, actually, maybe this is an area I want to specialize in. Okay. So that was right at the beginning of my nutritional career. Yeah. And um, I've stayed in, in that area ever since. So um, I've worked for a number of charities. Penny Bron Cancer Care is a charity down in Bristol. Okay. I was their senior nutritional therapist for seven years. And I've also worked for a breast cancer charity called The Haven. Yeah. Are they both nationwide or are they sort of regional charities? Well, they, they're... Penny Bron Cancer Care, as I say, is based in Bristol, but they do do work okay. all over the UK. Yeah. And um, Haven, they have several centres, one of them in Fulham in London, which was where I was based, but they also have several around the country. Great. So both of them doing amazing work with um, supporting people with cancer using complementary therapies and nutrition. Uh, so I did that work for several years and then a few years ago set up my own business, Body Soul Nutrition. And um, I have a very small team of people who, again, support people with cancer yeah. using diet and um, also lifestyle support as well. Okay, excellent. And when you say complementary therapies, what, what do you mean by that? Well, um, so therapies that complement mainstream treatment yeah. um, rather than being instead of. Okay. So, so when you're talking mainstream treatment, you're talking about chemotherapy, radiotherapy, yes. surgery. Yes, the sort of care that you would get through, through the NHS. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. Um, so both charities that I work for, they offer complementary therapies such as um, massage therapy, acupuncture, dietary therapy, nutrition, um, healing, those types of things, homeopathy, and all of those work very well alongside whatever mainstream treatment someone may be having. Yeah. Okay, excellent. And you, you mentioned your business just just before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, what, sort of, what do you offer through, through your business? Okay, so it's mainly focused on nutrition. And um, there is myself and two other nutritional therapists that are working with people. We do 
one-to-one support for people that really want quite in-depth support around nutrition. Yeah. But we also do um, group sessions, talks and workshops. And we also have an online program. Okay. So for people who... Um, aren't able to come and and visit us and and see us on a one-to-one basis um, and maybe don't want to to pay to have one-to-one care, want something, you know, a a bit cheaper and a bit more accessible, then the online program offers that. And that's a series of presentations that people can access online and also they get reading materials and home practices to do. So it's it's an eight-week course. Okay. Um, very comprehensive so that's also available yeah so uh, with nutrition for cancer how does that differ from general nutrition for health uh, and fitness is it are there any differences there um well a lot of the principles that apply to people with cancer would apply to anyone who is looking to um if if they've had any sort of illness to recover and also to maintain health long-term. So a lot of the principles are the same. However, when you're working with people with cancer, there are some specific um, areas that need special attention. And the thing about the nutrition that we offer at Body Soul Nutrition, when people are working with us on a one-to-one basis, then it's a, a very tailored approach to that individual. Okay. And the thing about cancer nutrition is that there is no perfect diet for everyone with cancer yeah you know there's no perfect diet for everyone with breast cancer lung cancer prostate cancer really it's about finding the diet that's right for that person as an individual and the fact that they've got cancer in a way is by the by you know it's about finding the diet that meets their specific needs as an individual so everyone is different whether they've got cancer or not we've all got a unique genetic makeup we've all had different stresses and environmental exposure through through our lifetime we've all got different medical histories and we're all at a different place now in terms of our health what treatment we may or may not be having the current stresses we're under and so with nutrition it's about um, identifying what the particular weaknesses and imbalances are for that individual yeah. and then tailoring a diet and a lifestyle program to address those. And, and the nutrition that we use, we follow an approach called functional medicine, which a lot of nutritional therapies now use. And this is really about identifying the deeper underlying reasons why people are unwell and um, that may be stress, it may be diet-related, it might be environmental exposures, etc. And, you know, so really getting down to the deeper level of what may be causing their symptoms and then trying to correct and, and rebalance those. Okay. Uh, I mean, some of the general things I've seen around cancer nutrition sort of pertain to cutting out sugar and things like that. Is that something which you look at or is it when you say you're going deeper it's past that level and you're really digging into specifics we, we certainly are digging deeper than that but very often we do recommend people follow some general principles that do tend to apply across the board yeah and one of them would be cutting down sugars and carbohydrates so that i mean 
that suits most people whether they've got cancer or not but yeah. I think it's particularly important in cancer because um, cancer cells they metabolize i.e. They, they burn fuel and create energy in a slightly different way from our normal body cells and they use up glucose that's our body's blood sugar yeah. at a faster rate than normal cells um, so if you like they're quite glucose hungry yeah. which has led some people to question well maybe then that means that the sugar that we eat in our diet perhaps that encourages cancer cells to grow perhaps it creates an environment in the body that's more conducive to cancer Um, and now the research is beginning to suggest that yes that is the case so it really does make sense to um, keep the starches and and the sugars not completely eliminated because that's yeah. virtually impossible, but keep them very low to, to keep the blood sugar, the blood glucose as steady as possible and to avoid those big peaks in blood glucose. Yeah. When you get a peak in blood glucose, you get um, peaks in insulin production and, and that creates an inflammation in the body. Um, cancer is very associated with inflammation so what we're trying to do with the diet is to minimize inflammation in the body okay so when you say all sugar is that from not just obviously things with added sugar or sort of sweets and things like that was that including things you'd have commonly which you think are healthy like fruit for example would you have to cut out fruits um well it's it's about keeping the starches and the sugars minimal. Okay. And um, yes, you've got all those refined sugars found in the obvious places like cakes, biscuits, chocolate sweets, sugary Things you drinks. probably shouldn't have that much yeah, of anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but then the things that people maybe regard as, as healthy yeah. very often, um, things like um, whole grains, lots of bread and pasta and rice – I'm not saying they're not good foods to eat sometimes, but if you're eating lots and lots of those very starchy foods, then you're potentially raising your blood glucose because starches get broken down to glucose. So um, we don't generally suggest people completely eliminate starchy carbohydrates, but we do keep levels of those foods, as I said, things like bread and and pasta and potatoes and rice to very minimal levels in terms of fruit you mentioned i generally and um my team at body soil nutrition we don't suggest people avoid fruit because fruit is packed full of really powerful anti-inflammatory anti-cancer um, phytonutrients they're called and um, they have such benefits for the body that I think that far outweighs any potential negatives of sugar and also when you have sugar packaged in its whole form as, as part of fruit it doesn't have the same effect on our blood sugar as as an isolated sugary compound yeah. Um Having said that, we do tend to recommend that people stick to fruits that have a lower sugar content. And actually, the fruits that are grown in this part of the world, in the UK, tend to be lower in sugar than tropical fruits, for example. Okay, so eat British is, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, yes. yeah. So so you mentioned some of those fruits. What would they be? Is, I've seen 
fruits such as berries are quite high up on the the list a lot of times is that is that correct or? yeah so berries tend to be good for two reasons first of all they are very high in those anti-inflammatory compounds yeah. that i mentioned and secondly they're not too high in sugar um and um they're very, very rich in compounds called anthocyanidins, which actually help the body to regulate blood sugar. Okay. So berries are a good choice. Yeah. yeah excellent. So uh, is there anything else sort of in our common diet? We've mentioned sugars there, um, starchy foods. Is there anything else sort of in a, a common, a typical diet which people you recommend people to look at? Or is it mainly the sugar which you get to people to think about, first of all? Um there's lots of things. So um, sugar and starches is, is one of the top things. Okay. We also get people to really think about the type of fats they're eating. Yeah. So I mentioned earlier that cancer is a disease that's very closely linked to inflammation. Yeah. And this is the chronic type of inflammation. And um, the type of fats we eat in our diet has a very significant impact on the level of inflammation in our body unfortunately our modern diet tends to be high in very processed vegetable fats vegetable oils and these can have a very inflammatory effect yeah so we encourage people to choose the unrefined oils good quality unrefined oils like extra virgin oils cold pressed oils rather than choosing foods that contain a lot of processed vegetable oils and um you know one of the things that we suggest immediately people do is to cut out the processed foods from their diet and if people do that then they immediately eliminate a lot of those damaged fats because you find those damaged fats in things like um ready meals that contain a lot yeah. of vegetable oils crisps pastries chips, pastries yeah. fatty foods that have been processed um so if you're going back to a more natural way of eating based on whole foods that have had as little done to them as possible then you're immediately going to eliminate a a lot of the sugar yeah. and b a lot of those damaged fats Perfect. So we're encouraging people to cut those out and then to focus on the good fats that have a very anti-inflammatory effect. So the omega-3 oils that we find in oily fish, some nuts and seeds, green leafy vegetables, and then the omega oils that we need also need. Um, and we find those in nuts and seeds as well. So um, it's about getting the right balance of fats. Saturated fats found in animal products... We've been told for a long time these are really bad for us and we should avoid them because they make us put on weight. Yeah. Um, in moderation, they're fine. Um, and the good thing about those fats is that they're not so easily damaged. The problem with vegetable oils is they're much more vulnerable to oxidation. They can be damaged through heat, through light, through oxygen. Animal fats, because they're saturated, are less vulnerable to oxidation. So in a way... They have their benefits, but we don't want too much of them. Okay. So moderation, those those um, uh, saturated fats are fine. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I'd seen previously is that a lot of people who recommend looking at diet and for cancer patients will talk about things such as eating organic and also even vegan diets. I've seen a lot of people talk about raw vegan diets for people with cancer. Is that something which, I mean, you've mentioned animal products there. Mm. Is there, is there any sort of benefit to that? 
So that's a really good question and um, not necessarily something that all experts agree on. Okay. But um, my view is, and the nutritional therapists that I work with, we feel that while a vegan diet can in the short term be a very, very good way of detoxing the body, it's very anti-inflammatory, over the long term, we tend to find people who are completely vegan, they do get into trouble with certain deficiencies. Yeah. So our approach is to have certainly a plant-based diet. You know, the diet is, is largely plant-based, but we like to keep a little bit of the animal products in okay. because they are such nutrient-dense foods. Yeah. I, I know that people are worried about meats and... Um, the quality and but i think we don't want to to just dismiss meat completely because the quality of certain meats so we suggest people do include some animal products in small amounts and to make sure that the quality is the absolute best yeah. that people can get um so ideally organic okay. if possible you know grass fed or or naturally fed um because meat in small amounts can add so much benefit to the diet. You know, for example, a lot of people who have cancer and are going through chemotherapy have problems with anemia. Yeah. And um, red meat is a brilliant way of keeping the, the hemoglobin levels healthy. So it's, it's got its place. We don't completely cut out the animal products, but we are really careful in ensuring people are getting the best quality and, and not having too much. Yeah. And some of the animal products like cheese and things like that, they do tend to have be quite dense in calories as well. Mm-hmm. Is that a benefit sort of, as a lot of people with cancer may struggle with appetite and things like that. Is, it, is there any benefit there in eating some more calorie dense food as well? Yes. At times people do need more calories and, um, you know, at certain points, people with cancer are vulnerable to losing weight. Yeah. And it may be because of loss of appetite, like you say, maybe due to the disease process. So we do have to keep an eye on that. Um, the, there are healthy calorie-dense foods. Yeah. So um, unfortunately, some people are often told, you know, by sometimes... Um, health professionals that they should be loading up on what I would regard as junk food you know just to get calories just to keep the calories up things like burgers and chocolate bars yeah you know you can still get the calories into your body without resorting to those sorts of foods yeah avocados oily fish nuts and seeds these are all high calorie foods but they're also very healthy foods Um, in terms of dairy that you just mentioned we often recommend people avoid dairy. Okay. It does depend on the individual. Yeah. And this is where it's about tailoring to the very specific needs of that person. But um, dairy foods, for a lot of people, they don't digest them very well. And um, sometimes people who've had chemotherapy find that they don't digest as the dairy as well as they used to because unfortunately chemotherapy can um, mess with the digestive tract yeah. a bit and the, and the beneficial bacteria and can alter the way we digest food and so sometimes people find that they were fine on dairy before but now they're not following chemotherapy um so but a lot of people are a bit intolerant to dairy foods 
There is a theory around dairy that um, because milk is high in growth factors, um, that's just how it is naturally, yeah. not that anything's added to it. Milk is a, is a food that encourages the growth of young mammals, so it's naturally high in growth factors. Um, there is this idea that maybe lots of dairy in the diet will, again, create an environment within the body that's conducive to cancer. There's The jury's still out on that. It's not absolutely clear whether that is the case. Okay. Um, but we tend to take a cautious approach and um, because there is that possibility, we tend to suggest people keep their dairy intake low, particularly if there's hormone cancers like breast cancer or prostate cancer. It yeah. really seems that a dairy-free diet is optimal in those situations. Um, if people are having dairy, then we would recommend very small amounts and we would tend to encourage people to go for goat or sheep milk products over cow milk products they tend to be a bit better digested okay excellent and just going back to something you mentioned before around the the organic foods how important is that as obviously organic foods tend to be more expensive than stuff that you would typically buy in a supermarket how important is it to, to have that organic food should that be paramount in terms of food choices um so one thing that we're really careful at at Body Soul Nutrition is giving people really good advice, but really trying to take the stress away from their food choices because we, and I can talk more about this in a minute, we okay. see um, the support that we offer should be helping people on not just the physical level, but also yeah. the emotional and the spiritual level as well. And if we're encouraging people to eat a very restrictive diet that's causing a lot of stress and maybe guilt and fear, then that's not going to serve them. Yeah. So when it comes to organic foods, we do encourage people to choose organic when they can. But we do understand that they're not, you know, they're out of some people's budget and they're not always accessible as well. So... Um, we say whenever you can choose organic and we give people ideas and tips on, on how you can, you know, keep the, the financial burden lower. And um, we also advise on which foods are more important to go for when it comes to organic. And then we just say, do the best you can um, and then don't worry about it. And um, it's more important to eat a wider variety of the fruits and veg rather than just choosing a handful because those are the ones you can get organic so you know organic's important but it's not absolutely paramount like okay. you said yeah perfect uh, i mean we all know that statistics of one in three people at some point in their life will be affected by cancer uh, the, the things which you mentioned here are they just for people who have already been diagnosed and who are going through dealing with cancer living with cancer going through treatment or are these things which you could apply to help prevent uh, prevent even getting the disease in the first place definitely <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> all the things that we advise on and it's not just diet we advise on other lifestyle um supportive um techniques and, and therapies and they are all about getting your body into an optimal state of health and that may be to support recovery or it may be to prevent disease in the first place okay. and it would be wonderful if we 
saw more people coming to us saying, we want to get optimally healthy now to prevent disease. But just the way that we are as humans, most people don't really seriously look at the way they're living and the way they're eating until they've been diagnosed. And that's just human nature and that's fine. Um, But obviously we'd like to encourage people to, to start looking after themselves as best as they can as early as possible. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like you said, most people won't actually look at this or think about it until they are in a position where they have been diagnosed. Myself, for instance, I didn't really... I was interested in health and fitness before. I was interested in nutrition before, but not sort of at this level mm. in terms of preventing disease or mm. or optimizing health, optimizing um, things in that in that sense. Why why aren't we taught more about this? Why are, why don't we hear more about this in terms of prevention of disease or actually when people do get diagnosed? Why don't we hear more about the nutrition side of things as opposed to opposed to the traditional sort of therapies, chemotherapy, etc. And um, that's a complex question <laughs> okay. um, because there's so many factors that come into play. I mean, you've got, in terms, um, the thing is, there's so many different opinions around what's healthy to eat. Yeah. And so many um, people from different sectors influencing that. So you've got, you've got food companies and big business influencing our food choices through advertising and marketing. And... They don't always have our health as their top priority. So we're getting messages filtering down um, from, you know, the beginning of our life all the way through um, on nutrition. But it's not always um, driven by health, Yeah, you know, creating the best health. So that, I think, can create a lot of confusing messages. Then the other thing is that... um, Nutritional research changes and develops fairly quickly. And so opinion, expert opinion changes over time. For example, I mentioned about saturated fats for the last few decades. They've been thought to be really bad for us now. There's been a bit of a U-turn on that. So, you know, experts often don't agree, you know, and so you again you're getting different messages and then the media will sometimes take research studies and twist them slightly into headlines that are going to sell but that doesn't always give a true message to people so inevitably then you end up with lots of different advice being filtered down to people people get confused and inevitably they end up thinking oh everyone's saying something different uh, i really don't want to even listen yeah. anymore and then you've got the fact that doctors are not trained in nutrition as part of their general medical training, or they maybe have a very, very small amount of very basic nutrition. Yeah. So it's not really on their radar, and it's not part of what they are trained to offer people. So when people are diagnosed with cancer or any type of disease... They may have heard somewhere, they may have read somewhere or heard from a friend or seen on the internet that nutrition is important. But then when they go and ask those questions to their oncologist, their doctor, their nurse, they often and usually don't get much feedback on what yeah. they should be eating. Yeah. So that might then lead some people to think, oh, well, it's not important. Or 
it might lead people to just go off and do their own research. And when it comes to cancer nutrition, if you're looking on the internet, there's masses of information. Not all of it is in agreement. A lot of it's contradictory. So again, that creates more confusion. Um, so it's a really, it's a bit of a mess in yeah. terms of, you know, people getting good quality, consistent advice, and um, lots of things would have to change to really ensure that people were getting good messages all of the time. Yeah, I mean, the only time I saw nutrition mentioned um, when I was when I first uh, got diagnosed was to counteract the effects of chemotherapy. To if you become neutropenic, which I think that's that's when your um is that red blood cell your white count, blood cells. white white cell bl- blood cell mm-hmm. count drops really low mm-hmm. that was the only time it was mentioned that to counteract the effects of the chemotherapy not to actually help you recover from the the cancer itself which i found was quite weird well i mean it's that is sort of where nutrition fits in to to mainstream medical thinking at the moment it, it's not really offered as something to um, build your body up and support your recovery. It's just really what I would call emergency nutrition yeah. in terms of, you know, okay, if you're really losing weight, then we need to get the calories in. Or if you have um, had cancer in the head or neck area and you can't swallow, then obviously we need to give some advice on how to eat. So it's about offering um, solutions to acute problems, but the type of nutrition that I practice is really about optimizing health so that your body can do its best to recover from illness because the body's highly intelligent. It knows how the best way to heal the body, but it needs... It needs resources and it needs help and it needs the right fuels going in. So yeah. that's really the type of nutrition that I practice. And that's really not the type of advice that's available on the NHS at this stage. There are oncologists that I know who are growing more interested in how nutrition can support recovery, but it's a slow process. Okay. Yeah. Unfortunately. But does it seem to be getting better in that sense? Slowly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, slowly. Yeah, perfect. So moving on to to what you do offer through your business, sort of, uh, you've mentioned that you do tailor things to to people who come to see you. But what is the general process from the time someone comes to see you? What do you cover? Um, well, if someone wants to come for one to one support, then the first stage is to really build up a picture of where they are at in terms of their health. We do that through a health questionnaire a detailed questionnaire. Also, we sometimes use biochemical testing. If we really want to get an in-depth picture of what's going on for someone, then we may look at some um, tests looking at digestive health, or we may look at nutrient levels. We may look at toxicity levels. We may look at hormone balance. So there's all sorts of testing we can do. And um, so we build up a really clear picture of, of what where a person is at. And then from that, we can start to determine which diet, supplement program, and lifestyle routine is going to work best for them. Okay, perfect. And so over a course of a um, few weeks or months, depending how long we work with someone, we 
work on the diet and the other areas to really support their health and and optimize their their body's own healing capacity we do consultations um we do face to face but we also do skype for people who can't travel and um we send detailed reports menu plans and things so people get a lot of support um and it, it works pretty yeah. well excellent and although uh, i saw you, uh, i saw you um present uh, a few weeks ago and there did seem to be a structure which she follows sort of seven steps which she mentioned uh, yeah so i said earlier that we don't only focus on nutrition uh, yeah. body soul nutrition and um that's important over the years that i've worked with people with cancer I've clearly seen that while nutrition is really, really key, it is only one piece of the puzzle. And the other areas that I feel are important are, and I'll list them, and I've put them together into what I call the seven elements of healing. And these are the seven areas that I think, when you look at all of them, you can have a really powerful impact on on the body's ability to heal. So first of all, nutrition. Secondly, detoxification. And um, detox is sometimes a word that people think is, oh, that's just a faddy thing you do if you want to lose a bit of weight. After Christmas. Yeah. But actually, um, we are being exposed to more and more chemicals in our environment. No one really knows the impact on our long-term health. But experts are increasingly concerned that this mix of chemicals is having a detrimental effect on our bodies, causing all sorts of issues and increasing risk of cancer. Yeah. So we feel it's important to optimize the body's natural systems of detoxification. So the liver is the body's main organ of detoxification. So we would support the liver and also the body's final routes of elimination, the kidneys, the colon. So that's an area we feel is important. Um, then after that, we've got physical activity you you know all about that as being a personal trainer but um it's a really important area for people with cancer and the research is absolutely clear physical activity and it doesn't always have to be getting down the gym for an exercise class it can be walking it can be gardening just being physically active and research is clear that um it has a powerful impact on the health of those with cancer, improving prognosis, helping with side effects. So, for example, cancer-related fatigue is the most common symptom for people with cancer. And being physically active can reduce fatigue by around 40 to 50%. It almost seems counterintuitive that the more it you does. do, the, the yeah. less tired you'll feel. I know. Yeah. Um, sometimes when you're exhausted, you do need more rest. But also you being active can actually help reduce fatigue too yeah so it's a balance of both um so that's the next area we focus on and and then the the next one is rest and relaxation which is the other side of the coin really with physical activity and um lots of rest and good quality sleep is important when we're recovering from illness and so is relaxation so many of us are living 24 7 crazy hectic lifestyles and stress is the common theme that I see with all my clients you know I say this often but a lot of people I see come to me they're eating a really good diet they're physically active and they wonder why they've got sick but the thing that I see running through the thread that I see running through every story is stress 
either an acute stress situation or that long-term chronic stress that just grinds people down and weakens their immunity. So helping people deal with the stress and learning how to relax and relaxing regularly is really key. That's a big part of okay. what we do. Yeah. So then we've got what we call bioenergetic balance. Yeah. That's number five. And um, that's all about helping people to rebalance their energies energies within their body because we are when it comes right down to it made up of energy and different things can help to support our energy such as being outside in nature fresh air and sunlight is very light is very important energy that our body needs to function properly um because certain things in our environment increasingly upset our energetic balance such as um electromagnetic radiation that we're exposed to more and more so that's the other next area that we cover that's number five six is emotional well-being okay. and this i think is absolutely key and um i said how common stress is and very often the stress is coming through emotional pain often emotional upset that's not been dealt with it's been pushed aside for many years and I believe that if we keep pushing emotional pain away, eventually it will come back and, and get us. You know, we need to address pain that's not been properly processed and work through that. This isn't always an area that people want to look at because for some people, obviously, it's, it's difficult. They, they would prefer to make the dietary changes rather than delve down into yeah. those deep emotional places. But having worked with people now, thousands of people I, I've worked with over the years, I just see that that area really does need attention um, almost always. So that's another area. Now... I'm not trained in psychology, psychotherapy, and neither are my nutritional therapists, but we guide people when we feel it's appropriate to people who are. Yeah. And we have um, experts that we work closely with who are trained in those areas and specialize in supporting people with cancer. So the last area that we cover, number seven, is what I call deep connection, and that covers three aspects. First of all, deep connection is about building a, a, a relationship, a deep connection with our own body. And a lot of us have lost touch with our body's needs. We are not encouraged in our society to really tune in and listen to our body, but our body's always speaking to us. It's always giving us messages about what it wants and what it needs um, through the way we feel emotionally and our physical symptoms. And if we start to be mindful of how our body's feeling and listen to that, then we're in a much stronger position to make the changes that, that our body needs to get healthy. So that's the first thing. Second aspect to deep connection is about building deep connections with our friends, family, loved ones, and supporters around us. Because research shows that people who have strong connections and relationships with others and a strong community around them have a better outcome with cancer. The final aspect to deep connection is maybe the hardest to put into words, but this is about building a connection to something greater than ourselves. You could call that a spiritual connection. Yeah. You could call it, um, well, for some people, it's about a religious faith. For other people, it is more of us on a spiritual level. 
And we can access that, that part of ourselves and that part of our life in many ways through music, through art, through being with nature, being with children, animals, whatever it is, and it's different for different people. It's about finding that thing that really nurtures and nourishes us on a soul level. Yeah. And I believe that's also really, really important, and research shows it is too. Okay. I mean, I think that's the one I personally would struggle with most. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm uh, more of a, as you said, more of a practical thinker, sort of diet, exercise, I could mm-hmm. tick those two boxes mm-hmm. quite easily, but yeah. sort of delving into that. How do you get past that resistance with people? Well, the thing is, you're like many people. They want they they understand that the diet and the exercise is really important. They make sense in a in a very logical, yeah. scientific way. And many people that come and see us at Body Soul Nutrition, that's what they're coming for: advice on nutrition and, and, and exercise and things but as they start to work with us we just gradually sort of open up ideas around some of those deeper aspects that I've mentioned and for many people we find that as they start to change their diet and their lifestyle that slowly opens their mind to looking at other things yeah and they just gradually move in that direction um, and it is my experience that the people who are really open to that side of things the deeper side of things they do they do better and the people who are really open to embracing every aspect of their life and every aspect of their being and who are ready to look at the emotional side and and the deeper spiritual aspect they 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 do better in terms of their health and for some people it takes months or years to get to that point and that doesn't matter and um, but it's just about being willing to to open to those things and as i said before many people when they first come they're really close to that but just gradually as they make a few changes it leads them on to newer things and, and opening up in a different way perfect so with most of your clients do they go through your program and work with you alongside sort of those traditional treatments, chemotherapy, et cetera. Do you ever have anyone who solely works with you? Most people are going through the the normal route of yeah. um, treatment through their oncologist, whether they're having chemotherapy, surgery, radiotherapy, or combination. There are some people who are not going down that normal route maybe they've gone down that route already and not found it has done what they hoped and so now they've decided they don't want any mainstream treatment and they're going to look at a different way um occasionally people have decided from the start that they don't want the more traditional mainstream treatments and they want to do um they want to do a more natural approach so you know, we're open to that. We obviously don't ever advise on what treatments people should do. That's not our job. Yeah. Um, but we do believe in choice. And if people have been well informed and that's their choice, then, you know, we're, we're happy with that. Whatever, whatever feels right to them. You know, I always say to people, if they are struggling with decisions on because a lot of people are yeah the oncologist is saying chemotherapy is right for them but they've maybe seen someone go through it and know that it can be very challenging and know that it doesn't always have the desired effect and so a lot of people are struggling with decisions on whether they should have 
certain treatments. I mean, I always advise people, first of all, to get several opinions from different doctors and you know be as well as informed as possible yeah. do reading around the topic question 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 the oncologist as much as possible so that people really feel that they're making a decision in the most um from a most informed place yeah and also not to rush into decisions a lot of my clients feel that they were pushed to make decisions very quickly yeah, and then later wish that they'd had more time. So there is always some time to think about it. So I'd always encourage people to take a bit of time over their decision. And then at the end of the day, I think it always comes back to a gut feeling. You know, you, you take on board all that the experts have said, but then you have to bring it back and listen to what your heart's telling you. As I said, building this connection with your own body. Because however many years a doctor has trained and however expert they are, they don't know your body like you do. You know, we only we can know truly what's best for us. And so I think it's about, as I say, taking all that information and then really tuning in and, and spending some time really thinking about how does it feel for me to do this yeah yeah I really like your point about taking the time to, to think about it when I got diagnosed back in January I was actually I just landed just uh, in France uh, first day of holiday I got a call from my, my doctor that day uh, so it's, it's, as soon as I got back to the UK uh, the next day um, I was in the in, meeting with my oncologist for the right. first time yeah. and he just sort of reeled off a list of this is what we're going to do you're going to do these tests these tests these tests then we're going to book you in for chemotherapy and I didn't even think about it I just sort of mm. he's a doctor mm. I'm just going to follow what you say so uh, I did eventually end up taking taking a step back I had chemotherapy once and then decided to stop that I have recited it now but it was mm. sort of a five-month period where I did focus more on uh diet and, right. and things like that yes uh not as as well as i would if i'd maybe worked with someone like yourself but i did sort of do my own research yes. and it definitely helped me sort of uh met to mentally prepare myself mm. to go back and mm. do chemotherapy when i did have to still don't like doing it now i don't think anyone does but yeah i think definitely um taking that time to really think about it and being comfortable that it's your own decision mm. as opposed to yes. being forced upon upon you. Yes. Chemotherapy is not a nice thing to go through. Neither is, I've not had surgery or radiotherapy, but I assume they're not particularly pleasant either. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I think that it's so important that people feel comfortable with the decision they've made because I see this over and over again. When people go into maybe chemotherapy, feeling it's the wrong thing, but they're doing it because they feel they should, but in their heart it doesn't feel right, then those people very often have a much harder time because it's like their body's resisting it yeah. at some level because there's there isn't the alignment between the way their heart feels and what they're doing. Um, so I think it's so important for people to have time to think <clears throat> and... Um, really come to a point where they're happy and they're confident in their choice whatever yeah. they decide to do there's no right or wrong because if someone's confident and feels it's right for them then it is but i think very often people rush into these things and they feel under huge pressure not always just from the doctors but from family to just get on and do something as fast as possible 
But as I say, there's always some time to think about it, and I really encourage people to take a bit of time before making that huge decision. Okay, thank you. Liz, this has been amazing. this has been so interesting. Obviously, for myself going through this, sort of selfishly, I've picked up a few things which uh, I could go away <laughs> and think about. So, really appreciate your time. Uh, where's the best place for for someone to to find you to find out more about what you do? Well, our website, yeah. which is bodysoulnutrition.co.uk. Perfect. And on there, we have all the information about the one to one support we offer and the online program, which is called Nourish and Thrive. Uh, we've also got a blog and um, some articles and things. Excellent. So. Yep. Uh, Excellent. I'd love to to chat to you again sometime, but thank you for your time today. It's been, Pleasure. been amazing. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for asking me. No worries okay. at all. Thank you very Bye. much. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Mind Body Power podcast. If you did, please give us a like on Facebook or rate and review us on iTunes. <laughs>